I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hello and welcome to Off The Beaten Track podcast special. It's a Boogaloo Radio special. So I've done a few of these so far, and it's just a a taste of what you can expect from my monthly radio show on Boogaloo Radio. I think I've just said radio quite a few times in succession there. So it's hosted by myself and previous Off The Beaten Track guest, Josh Weller. And we have a guest on, and the idea of the show is the world's about to end. That sounds bleak, right? But no, because you're going to go out with a bang. You're going to listen to so many amazing songs and the guest picks them. And I want to know what they're going to sing in the shower when they're getting ready for their last night. Uh, I want to know what's on their headphones when they're walking to a club for the last night. Uh, I want to know what they're dancing to in the club. I want to know what song they're going to have a huddle with all their mates at the end of the night and reminisce. And then I want to know what the last ever song they're going to hear is. Um, and there's loads more questions in there as well. And obviously, like, any other podcast, it spirals off all over the place. Um, so if you do want to hear the fully unedited version with all the songs, head over to www.boogalooradio.com and you can listen to that and shows from the likes of, blimey, who's got shows on there? Bernard Butler from Suede, um, Creation Records, Alan McGee, Food Records, Andy Ross, Stiff Records, Dave Robinson, Billy Lamb from the Subways, Rowena Alice. Oh, God, I'm, I'm missing loads. There's so many amazing shows over on there. And everybody that does it, does it for the love. And that's what that's what makes it so cool. And that's what makes it so fucking punk rock. Um, okay, so back to today's episode. Today's episode is with Jason Perry from A. Sorry, Grammy Award winning Jason Perry from A. Uh, Jason's produced music for everybody. Pretty much everybody. And if he hasn't produced from, he's toured with them or he's worked with them. And we go in on all this today and we talk about songwriting. Um, some of Jason's song choices I was surprised at. I, I presumed it would all be kind of rock-based. Um, but it isn't. It's a massive mix-up of genres, which is great. Keeps it all fresh. And Jason puts amazing causes for why he's picking them songs. Um just to let you know as well, if you do like this, then um, there's a few more of these on the back catalogue already. So you can listen to the Boogaloo Radio special with Alan McGee and with Scroobius Pip and me just sat into Josh Weller. Um, so that's all there to be had. And also, if you still feel like you want to hear some, some more off the beaten track stuffs, then each week um, I upload shows to Patreon. 
So you just head over to www.patreon.com forward slash off the beaten track podcast and then there's loads of stuff over there and and by signing up for that you're supporting this podcast um which is very very much appreciated as well as that i mean the links for that are all over on the website and whilst you're on that website just to let you know there's some amazing art prints from um an incredible artist called paul mcdonald and he's he's kindly done some some amazing art and there's a very limited run left and they're selling like hotcakes go and have a look um whilst you're over there you can get off the beaten track t-shirts and stuff which all kind of goes in the piggy bank to help make this podcast do what it does and any help is absolutely lovely jubbly much appreciated I think I can shut up now. Big thanks to 76 for producing this. Big love to the Distraction Pieces Network. Massive love to everybody at Boogaloo Radio. Please enjoy The Last Dance with Jason Perry. It's off the beat and track podcast on the Distraction Pieces Network. With me, Stu Whiffin. Before we get on with the podcast, I've got an announcement. Save Our Souls Clothing, www.sosclothing.co.uk. Why am I telling you this? Because they're our official sponsor. Yeah, that's right. Go and check them out because their clothing is off the scale. You're going to love it. So they've decided they want to be our sponsor, which is amazing. And what I have to do is I have to tell you about why they're amazing. So here's a little bit of blurb. So they've only been going a year. And they're based in Southend-on-Sea, just up the road from me. They put the company together based on a, a love of tattoos and alternative music. And they've worked with some of the greatest artists around the world to produce these items of clothing that are as unique as you lot. All of the designs are printed using biodegradable, sustainable and water-based inks. And in addition to that, they only print on garments made by members of Fairwear Foundation. I mean, come on, great clothing and a conscience. Since going live in April last year, they've seen their audience grow massively and are now selling orders all across the world. And they were recognised by Cosmopolitan magazine as one of the best sustainable clothing brands alongside names such as Stella McCartney. I mean, that's quite a first year, right? So, go and check them out because they've put a lot of love into supporting this podcast and I couldn't be happier. What else they've done is they've given you 15% off. So if you head over to www.sosclothing.co.uk, do a bit of shopping, see what you like, throw it in the basket, and then on the way out, put in the discount code BEAT15, B-E-A-T-1-5, and that'll save you 15% off. Amazing, right? www.sosclothing.co.uk official sponsors of Off The Beat and Track podcast. Let's get back to that podcast. Hello. 
and welcome to the Last Dance Radio Show with me, Stu Whiffin. I have no idea where my co-host Josh Weller is. That's a lie, actually. He's uh, he said that he's at Camden, so he's he's just running a little bit behind. But it doesn't matter because the track you just heard there was Starbucks by the Mighty A, and today's guest is Jason Perry from A. Hello, mate. You're right. I'm good. I'm again? good. Um, <laughs> Yeah, so we've just we've already had a coffee and a, and a catch up, so uh, I'm looking forward to this. So um, also um, do feel free to get in touch. The sign that was on the wall that tells me where oh it's to my left now. So you can follow us on Twitter on Boogaloo underscore Radio. We're on Instagram at Boogaloo Radio, or just email in at hello at boogalooradio.com. Better still, download the app. Go get involved. So, the last dance, let me explain how that works if you've not listened before. Um, Myself, Josh, when he arrives, and our guest, Jason, um, will basically sort out what we're going to do, because tonight the world ends. So, we're going to get one last night out, so we need to make the absolute most of that night. And so, what we're going to do as the night unfolds, we will soundtrack it. So I will be discussing certain points of the evening with Jason and Joshua, and we will be playing the records that, uh, that they've chosen. Firstly, what's been going on, Jace? Uh, loads of stuff. Loads of stress. Loads of business stuff. Loads of... Um, I... Yeah, loads of stuff. Yeah, oh, Joshy's here. Joshy's here. Joshy's here. Fashionably late. Sorry. But... You're on, you're on air, mate. The mic's there. Oh, great. How are you? You guys were, yeah, good. I like what you were saying about the... Um... That stuff. Hello, yeah. Hey, Dave. You right? How are you, Josh? Sorry, I got stuck on the tube. That's all right. It's uh, TFL's fault, not mine. Blame those guys. Yeah, it's not their fault. I was running late. It's all my fault. Okay. Yeah. Well, I'm going to bring you up to speed quickly. We've just played Starbucks by A. Ah. And we've just introduced Josh. Fuck it off, Josh. <laughs> <laughs> Please. <laughs> and uh, and well, I was just in the process of saying, Jace, what you've been up to. So I have recently just finished uh, a tour. We did a tour. Yeah. When was that? November last year. It was Ace. Uh-huh. It was really good. I did it dressed as a delivery uh, delivery driver. That was quite weird because the last time we met, mm-hmm. we met at a shopping centre in Thurrock. Yeah, it makes it sound glamorous. <laughs> <laughs> and, what uh, a life. <laughs> and you was, uh, we, we met at the bottom of an escalator. And as I come down the escalator, you had a delivery jacket and oh, just massive delivery box oh, on so, your back. What a day. Yeah. And I just thought, is Jace struggling with a mortgage? Is he now a delivery? How do I play this? Like, and. And then you obviously just burst with excitement that you'd been around this house and bought this delivery oh, outfit yeah. and, and, and box. I'm obsessed with it. <laughs> I love delivery outfits. I think they're so good. The, the, so, the, yeah. the cagoule's wicked, though, oh, isn't it's it? It's amazing, but it stinks now. Did, uh, uh, we, take we, away. We finished, yeah, no, my, my gig sweat. But we, um, the last gig was at Shepherd's Bush. This is quite a long, boring, but interesting story. Go for so it. So I threw the coat into the crowd, because I'm saying throw your jacket in. So someone's got the smelly coat that had done the whole tour. It was a really good gig, so I was feeling a bit high and excited. So then I threw my delivery box in, into the crowd as well. And then, so whatever, then we're in the dressing room and everyone's saying hi and loads of people turned up from Germany and places we haven't, you know, people we haven't seen for years. So we just kind of caught up with all that and then the bus turns up to drive us back to Essex, to the lockup. And a few people are in the dressing room that I don't know, who turn out to be Adam, the drummer, my brother's friends, and they're all school dads from his school. And one of them's a teacher. 
And um, anyway, they're all drunk and uh, they all come back on the bus. When they're on the bus, one of them pulls out a delivery box. I'm like, where have you got that from? He goes, oh, I caught it in the crowd. It's okay, it's a bit weird that you've got that and you're bringing it back. But anyway, and then Trig, our tour manager, has lost his denim jacket, which he's wore every day for like the past 10 years. And he's, he's kind of in tears about it. And we searched everywhere, the whole venue, dressing rooms and everything. And um, no one can think what his denim jacket is. And about three in the morning, we're on the bus. And I just say to the drunk guy, who I don't know, who's got the box, what's in the box? And he opens a box and Trig's jacket's in <laughs> This is like the ultimate message in the bottle. <laughs> like, hey, what's the chances of him catching the box, bringing the box back, getting on our bus, and someone has found Trig's jacket, put it in the box before the gig. I've worn it on stage and thrown it in the crowd without knowing, and it's in there. Anyway, I like delivery. That's all. <laughs> Don't know what I'm going to wear on this tour, but I need to hide the boobs. What is it about the design? That get the... Oh, it's so reflective. It's a great colour. I mean... Purple and grey. Purple and grey. It's got a little lip at the bottom which stops the mud coming off your bike and splashing on your clothes. It's got great arm swing um, movement. It's got an amazing HUD. The HUD's awesome and it hides my awful body because I'm nearly 50. There's <laughs> it covers my, all bases. My uh, next door neighbour, he is a young kid and he's got two blacked out Mercedes Benz. He's like 19. And... Uh, a couple of months ago, I was in the front room of the house and I saw like him and his mates open the boot of the car and it had like eight delivery boxes in the boot, all lined up like perfectly, like a really weird Pulp Fiction open. open. <laughs> like, I was like, that's weird, they all work for Deliveroo. And then he's a drug dealer. <laughs> really? That, that's, that's, how how they, that's how they distribute. Really? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, smart, right? Yeah. They're very entrepreneurial, East End drug dealers. Yeah. Like my, there's a kid near my house who gives out business cards. And the, Shut up. And the company's called Cafe Marley, which is genius. That is very clever. Yeah. I, I once had a stash in the back. I had a black BMW a few years ago. And um, <laughs> this is really sad. This is, this is live, right? But, um, I used to sneak out of my bedroom one or two in the morning, sneak down to the car without my wife knowing and quietly opened the boot. Because in the boot of my black BMW, I had a stash, like two Asda kind of carry bags worth of Lion's Midget Gems, <laughs> <laughs> which my wife had banned me from eating. <laughs> so I got them on the black market. Coming down the stairs like the secret lemonade drinker yeah. just to go get and your And I hid them gems. in my car. So she'd never find them. And I, used to, and I used to sneak out in the morning and eat them. And you think, that, that's bad. Once on Easter, the day after Easter Sunday, my wife caught me sneaking down. It's about five in the morning. She got up because she had a headache. And I was sitting in the kitchen eating all the kids' Easter eggs. And then my plan was I'd just get up early, smash all these eggs, then go out and buy some more half price. <laughs> the Monday, that's a new low. Getting caught eating your own children's Easter eggs <laughs> the day after Easter. Oh, so that's why I need the delivery jacket because of all the stuff I eat. We've all done it, Joe. All right. Yeah, sorry. So um, it's the last dance, and so we need to start things off. So the, the playlist always starts with you've, you've just got up to have the last day before the world ends, and you need to have a shower. 
Can you eat some Easter eggs you've first? Done, you've eaten the Easter egg, so you need to go and wash the chocolate off your fingers yeah. and off your chops. So you need to pick a track um, that is going to that you're going to sing in the shower. It's the last time you're ever going to sing a song. Do you sing in the shower? Uh, yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I wouldn't call it singing, but I do like singing in the shower. Yeah, it sounds good in the shower. Do you sing in the shower, Josh? Have you had this cat? Have you had this chat? No, I just think about all the terrible things I've done and cringe to myself in the shower. <laughs> in the feet <laughs> position on the floor. Yeah, I can't yeah. get in the bath because it makes me think too much. Yeah, because it's the silent space. Isn't yeah. It? I so like I just thinking. think about, oh, I can't believe I said that last night. Yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm, oh, why did I do I'm just, Why do I try so hard like that? It's just all that. That's my shower. It's very reflective. Yeah. So that, that shower is the only time that you're generally alone with your own thoughts. <laughs> it hides tears very well. <laughs> I'm exactly the same, Josh. Yeah. I don't want to be alone with my thoughts. I'm embarrassed to have been. Oh. And then I look down and see my body I'm like oh no look at me <laughs> yeah. it's got to the point now when I get out of the shower in the morning I purposely avoid the mirror because it's, it's, it's never yeah. a pleasant when I get in because there's a mirror opposite my shower so I don't I wait two minutes I know exactly when it's steamed up and I can't see my weird E.T. naked body anymore <laughs> what E.T. are we talking E.T. like nearly dead that E.T. Uh, no, I, no E.T. the alien okay. yeah no, I'm talking about E.T. when, when he's in <laughs> the <laughs> which act of E.T. Is what stage E.T. <laughs> we're talking when he's like yeah. shriveled yeah, up yeah, like. yeah pretty much it's this, this thing I look like E.T. and Bruno Mars had a one night stand <laughs> <laughs> that's what that's what's going on now oh amazing but anyway sorry Jace what um, so can you remember what you've chose for this I'm, one? I'm just too busy looking at Josh. <laughs> <laughs> I'll show you the break. I think I chose uh, Medicine by Bring Me the Horizon. Did you I? did. You did. Because uh, it's kind of a current song and it's a, an amazing song. And I just do find myself singing it all the time. And my kids have told me to shut up a few times. I was singing it in Waitrose the other day and got in trouble. Is kind that because a, you're singing in the supermarket or yeah. like young kids like them as well? And are you trying to be called dad? No, it's just because I can't get it out of my head and I'm singing in the supermarket. I don't know much about this band. They're, they're like, uh, are they a co-write band or do they write all their own they stuff? They write all their own stuff, I think, and Jordan produces it, the keyboard player. And well, what's amazing about this song is they've done the ultimate hard thing to do, I think, is where you, you're a rock band or they're, you know, they're a kind of metal-y rock band but very cool and you've managed to write a pop song mm. without without it being contrived and still bridging both gaps, both worlds that you're in. And it's actually, they, they did a thing on breakfast TV. Oh, was it? Uh, what's it? Channel 4 show on Sunday morning. Kitchen, Sunday brunch, is it? Saturday. Sunday, Saturday, Saturday yeah. brunch. It's really good. I love that show with, um, what's his name and what's his name? Lovejoy. Lovejoy, Tim. Yeah, Lovejoy. And they were on there doing an acoustic version of it. And it was like watching, okay, this sounds... This is exaggerating a bit, but it's almost like watching New Order doing a song. Really? I know it's nothing like watching New Order do a song, but yeah. it was as close as I've seen a rock band get to that. Yeah. Like the fragility of it and the innocence of it. They weren't trying to be a big pop band. They were just trying to be a, a big rock band. They're trying to be an, an insecure pop band. It's just amazing. And um, yeah, hats off to them. I mean, their band has just got bigger and bigger incrementally each time. I know it's kind of exponentially just getting way bigger. And the cool blokes, and it's just a great song. I cannot stop singing it. And right. they've done what we try to do in A, which is be a rock band with massive pop sensibilities and not be ashamed of it. Mm. And they've just smashed it. So, yeah. Should we have a listen? Yeah. Let's do it. Some people are a lot like clouds, you know. Because life's so much brighter when they go. 
Medicine. So much I bring me the horizon. God, you've really got your while the song's finishing. Oh, no. yeah, I know. I tried to get all clever then, and the minute I said one word, he just the music stopped and he said a word back. I was like, through me. Um, bring me the horizon. Medicine. That's your first choice, Jace. Good song, isn't it? Even the ending's good. Yeah. It's some. Um, there's yeah. some big fat simps on that. Yeah, that's all, Josh. Uh, Jordan. Sorry, yeah. Do they, they, they produce their own record? No. Do they? Yeah. Really? Yeah, my mate Ramesh engineered it. Threw it out in LA when we were out recording it, and it was when the World Cup was on, and we tried to meet so many times to watch the England games, and we couldn't. So yeah, that was that was a boring story, but they did, they did it. <laughs> we all love football. Anyway. Uh, so they've got, they, where are they from? Uh, up north. Okay. Yeah. Because uh, my, my knowledge of them, I've got very little knowledge of them. I, I, I knew that they were a bit of a kind of. They kind of transcended, didn't they, from that the kind of the pop market and that kind of screamo Kerrang yeah. kind of thing as well. And then yeah. I did read that there was a lot of interest in this track because this was a massive departure and was obviously a a big move into yeah. more mainstream sort of pop. But it's um, so genuine, isn't it? Yeah. And they don't have to do anything. They, they can do whatever they want. I mean, they're at a stage in their career now where they can sell out, you know, multiple thousand capacity rooms around the yeah. world so they could literally do what they want and still you know be big so it's a genuine love of, of I, I just love it because the, the lyrics are sensitive so rather than screaming it he's singing it and showing that that's so why I love that James from EMF or Barney from New Order yeah. or Tim from Ash where you, you don't have to over sing you can show you can show insecurity in your voice and yeah. you know it takes bravery to do that yeah. it's just as brave as shouting it that's a really good shout for for James from EMF because like EMF Sam was so big and and in your face and and yet his voice he's quite soft isn't it Yeah, you get with the deaf tones as well. Yeah, like, of course. The, you know, deaf tones are a big wall of noise, and then you got Chino almost whispering. Yeah, yeah. Underneath all that, and and same with Muse, you don't have to be a big singer to have a big sound. Yeah. Some, anyway, talk, let's talk about production. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so. Um, for track two, it's the last song you're going to sing with a hairbrush in the mirror. Uh-huh. What are you going for, mate? Uh, was it Katy Perry? You did, yeah. Free fireworks. Why did you choose that? Well, back to that, back to my thing is I love rock songs that are basically pop songs and I love pop songs that are basically rock songs. Mm-hmm. And all that is is a massive rock song without the guitars. Mm. And the producer, I don't know who produced it, she might have... This may be no decision or, or, or theirs, his or hers. But at some point, someone's gone in the studio. We need to find the right key for this. So you're literally singing at the top of your range in the chorus. And there's going to be nothing in the chorus apart from this kind of um, EDME hands in the air synth and your voice. So we need to find some edge somewhere. So let's get it right at the top of your range so your voice is cracking up. And it's obviously it's a conscious decision to do that. And... Production-wise, that's what nails it. That's what gets the emotion. So she's singing like a rock singer in a pop song, and it's kind of a twist of what we just talked about with Bring Me, and I think that's where the power is, production-wise, in that song. Plus, it's an amazing... Who wrote song. it? 
Uh, no idea. Is it seal? I got it here. I got it here. Seal? Seal. Oh, right. No. Oh, no, it was seal. No, it was... Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Esther Dean, Sandy Wilhelm, Thor Erik Hermansen, oh, yeah. Mikkel S. Eriksson, and Katy Perry. Yeah. That oh. sounds like... That's, that's the Scandi... Yeah, what are they called? Stockholm. Oh, I forgot the, the, name, the name of them. They changed the name as well. But I know, yeah, I know they are the big writers. But that's not the teddy bears. And then, so. um, and then someone did a, re- a DJ remixed it. I think or I did sp- all the production. I spent a very weird year in Stockholm doing all those co-writes with people. It was very bizarre. So how, how, how does these sort of things happen? Do you uh, explain to people, because I'm, I'm not in the know with things like that. What, what do you do? Do you just go out there and sit in a studio with random strangers and sit opposite each other like John and Paul did and try and knock out a song? Yeah, plus yeah. add sushi to any part of that day. And then that's pretty much <laughs> how it goes down. And Yeah, I, I had some Swedish managers when I was trying to be a songwriter and they sent me out there for like a year more or less. And you'd go sit in rooms with people. It was, it's, it's a, co-writing's a weird thing. So most pop songs are co-written, right? Whether it's two people or ten people. Yeah. And, um, and it's an odd thing that you go into a room with someone you never met and you just both try and do something incredibly personal while you're both secretly thinking, this needs to be a hit. So the formula is somewhat doomed before you even start. But then occasionally you do find someone that you really click with and you can really open up. And that's what, you know, that's where, like... The great, but that's why. Yeah. What's his name? Max Martin is Max Martin. I'm sure he has a way of making everyone feel. Yeah, well, Max Martin's another one. It's just big rock songs, aren't they? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, what's he? Know, I, I don't you know, know who Julian. he is. Julian, do you know Julian Emery? Have you written with Julian? Mm, maybe, God, maybe yeah. no. He's, he's he's a guy. I've done loads of these co-writing things as well, and he's a guy that I always click with because we just make each other laugh. Yeah. Because there is an unsaid thing in the room, which is everybody's agreeing with each other, but everyone's secretly, not secretly, but you have to try and offer something because at the end of the day at four o'clock that afternoon whenever it is someone's going to go all right let's agree the splits before we leave the room yeah, yeah. so everyone's trying to get their cheap anything mm. splits we're talking the finances now uh, the, the who owns what of the song yeah, yeah. so you, you try and agree those as you you know i just think if you, if you get people that you trust then you just go and you agree that before you even start yeah and you think i might have a bad day today and offer nothing and then you know on thursday i'll, I'll come up with most of it sure um but it is, I've done loads of them in Berlin as well. It's really weird when... It's strange. It's yeah. a strange thing to just go into rooms with people. Like, I went into a room with one guy in uh, Stockholm, and he'd been up all night. I can't remember the guy's name. And uh, he um, he was, like, smoking a cigarette in the studio, and he was like, hey, man, I have this great idea for a song, and, like, hit a space bar. And it was just a drum beat going... Boom, and I was like what is is that it and he was like yeah man it's great what do you think and I was like it's a a drum beat (laughs) and and he went well no wait till you hear the idea right so you wake up in the morning after a crazy night and you've got this beautiful girl next to you you don't know who her name is or what happens but like you know you know you had a great night that's the song and I was like that doesn't sound consensual to me man that doesn't sound like like a great idea for a song that sounds like you've been up on having this crazy night and you go into the studio and you play a drum beat that's or, a great idea yeah. for a song, yeah. <laughs> but then sometimes you meet people and you forge these friendships that last forever. Yeah, you you know, so it's, you know, it's there's, there's, there's a lot. You know, like ego comes out of insecurity. There's always someone in, in that who hasn't taken his sunglasses off. Huh. Like, you know, we've been indoors for like six hours now, mate, and it's dark. Yeah. Like, just take them off and then we can write a song. Yeah. Like, is there, is there a, a lot threshold of, of, of rock and roll celebrity? Do you hit a certain threshold when it's all right? Oh, to wear sunglasses. Well, yeah. Oh, well, Bono's got an eye infection, hasn't he? So he, that's his excuse. Fuck off. Yeah, he's got a proper, <laughs> a proper thing with his eyes. <laughs> no way. Really? Yeah. Have a look in it. You, 
Do you have the research king to us? Because you don't wear glasses, so you can look at your phone without I two do. stages. But um, Bono said he's got, he has to wear sunglasses. That's the only reason. But even then, you think, mate, take him off. Honestly, yeah. right. But like, what about Roy Orbison? He kind of pulled that off. He did, that, but that was in, in, in a more innocent time. Yeah. And that was cool. He, he smoked on stage as well. Yeah. And he, he, and he had a good voice. Yeah, you got a voice like you do what you want. Yeah, I mean... He suffers from glaucoma. See? Really? Mm-hmm. But that could be PR spin. Yeah, that's a market employee. <laughs> <laughs> I bet the U2 estate spent millions on trying to get that out there just so he could get away with wearing his hat. And I, 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 all right, what's the edgy's reason for wearing a hat? A bit bold. That's fair enough. <laughs> Josh, you're too young for this, but uh, me and Stu remember Peters and Lee from our youth. Do you remember Peters and Lee? I, I remember them. I don't remember anything they've done. A blind piano player. Turns out, and he had a singer next to him, and they were on, like, they'd be on Wogan or whatever it was when we were kids. Turns out he wasn't blind. Oh. Or shtick. No way. Yeah. Just like Jerry Deacon's interpreter didn't know what Jerry was talking about. That turns out that was rubbish as well. So when Jerry was on Blue Peter, really showing our age now, and Blue Peter had a whip round to raise money for Jerry. So Jerry Deacon was seriously disabled, a, wasn't he? He was the first real... I'm not belittling it, but celebrity. Well, he was, he was a celebrity, yeah. and everyone knew him. And he's yeah, seriously handicapped and couldn't speak. But he had an interpreter who worked out that he he knew what Joe was talking about. Turns out, oh well, this is how we knew, right? So Blue Peter raised money for Joey, and he had all this money. And guess what he bought with the money? Yeah. A wicker model of the Cutty Sark. <laughs> <laughs> and that's when we knew. <laughs> <laughs> So it turns out that was all... And Peters and Lee as well. Peters, yeah. Unbelievable. Yeah. Right, should we have some Katy Perry? Yeah. <laughs> 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 OK, let's have Firework by Katy Perry. What a tune, this is. Chosen by today's guest. It's Jason Perry from A. Okay, so let me just remind you if you want to tweet in, it's boogaloo underscore radio on Twitter, uh, Instagram boogaloo radio, email us at hello at boogaloo radio.com or just download the app. Message in saying nice stuff to me, Joshua and Jason. Jason, the next track I'm going to ask you is the last song to soundtrack your. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com achieve today. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. 
Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Final meal before you go out on your, your this is a ri- uh, It's a ridiculous question. This is genius. This is I don't genius know how anyone can answer this because you can't think of listening to music without eating. Yeah. Because of the, the way the question's framed. I'm cross with you for this question. Sorry. It's very hard. I don't know what other people have put, but all I could think was, it's the Grand Chill theme. Yes. Because it reminds me of a school canteen and that image of a sausage coming in on a fork yeah. from the top right-hand corner. Is that what the last meal would be? Sausage on a fork, yeah, yeah. Probably. It would have sausages in it. Do you know what I love? Sausage pie. Yeah, oh, I've never had a school dinner as a race. I love school. Dinners. I miss school dinner. Yeah, do you remember? Do you remember the mystery dessert that was just like a hard bit of something with like sugar sprinkled on top? Like and it was three of those with the like, thousands of hundreds yeah. and thousands yeah, on the top of never, that. What was it? It was like a shortbread. Yeah, I love it wasn't that. shortbread. Yeah, yeah. No, that was like I miss. I think about that all the time. Yeah, yeah. Love yeah. School dinners. There was like a school dinner I'd get that was just bow tie pasta. Which I'm pretty sure was just mushroom soup, cream of mushroom soup, and frankfurters. And I still make that. This sounds yeah. like a tour rider in Germany. That's what you get on the Vans Warped Tour. That's, what yeah, that's way too nice for an English yeah. tour rider, isn't it? Yeah. Oh, brilliant. Um, yeah, so I, I'll tell you what we had for our school dinners. We had a sausage roll in a buttered roll. Oh. So you'd get like a kind of. What? A, a, a really soft white bap, right. and in it you'd put a hot. Sausage roll, which obviously in like that kind of like um, puff pastry. Did you make this yourself, or was this? No, 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 no. It was. It was like if anyone who went to my school would know exactly what I'm talking about because it was such a thing. Sausage roll in a buttered roll. So obviously the butter would melt because of the hot sausage roll within it. It would make like a a sticky, gluey sausage paste. (laughs) How good does that sound? Yeah, it was. It was powerful. You know, you had like you had like you had like um, you had a kid at school. You know, every school's got like a school buggy. Like the buggy kid who always has underpants with stories on or something. And yeah. they've, always, they've always got work, like smelly names. Yeah. But um, we had a kid at our school. He was obviously um, he was, he was a greedy kid. And he'd always be the first in the seconds queue. And the third, he could always go back for seconds, couldn't he? Yeah. And I'd be the one behind him. And I'd always wait for him to get up first and think, I can't be the first in the seconds queue, but I'll go second. So we had Mark Wade. I think it was Mark Wade. Anyway. Um, you might be listening, so I won't say his name. But I'd always latch on to him. I like and, to think that Mark Wade is now um, just catching up on his sleep because he was up at 5am uh, eating uh, ice gems. Making, uh, making money. <laughs> at, the, at the boot of his car. <laughs> yeah, that's living, right, Mike? <laughs> but yeah, sausage pie. Anyway, Grange Hill, what, and it's a great piece of music. Yeah. It could be, it could be Madness or Chaz and Dave together. Right, well, I'm going to play Madness after this right. because uh, this is a very short track and then obviously I think when, when you guested on Off The Beaten Track podcast, um, you spoke and the song that reminded you of school was Madness, Baggy Trousers. Oh, so, yeah, there's a connection there. So, yeah, so I, I thought, do you know what? Because it's such a short track, we'll throw a madness track in there as well. So, um, but I think for the time being, let's have the Grange Hills. Did you find the original version? Yeah, by uh, Alan Hawkshaw from from Classic Television. You did some co-writing with him, right, Josh? I did, Alan Hawkshaw. Yeah, yeah, great writer, great writer. (laughs) Always wear sunglasses. Very short songs. (laughs) 
love it. Love it. The Grange Hill theme uh, chosen by uh, Jason today, which is going to be the song to soundtrack his last meal. So <laughs> I've, uh, I've, I've got a, gr- a couple of Grange Hill stories. Um, I actually booked Zamo uh, to, to DJ for me once purely wow. because I just wanted to meet him because he was just an absolute legend when I was yeah, growing up. And um, when I used to take my kids to school, um, one of the, the Zamo era um, stars of Grange Hill was a girl called Faye. And, uh, and she was like the kind of uh, the, the, the blonde girl that all the lads at, at, yeah. at, at Grange Hill fancied. And she lives around the corner to me now. Does she? And it's really weird because I think over the years of doing clubs and podcasts and, and bands and stuff, I've met people off the telly and stuff like that. I don't generally ever get like tongue-tied or anything like that. I saw her every day for probably the six, seven years my kids were at, at, at junior school. Still could never spit a word out because I literally melted like every time I see her to the point where like, my, my, my wife is literally like, Will you get a grip, mate? Like, <laughs> Will you get over her? <laughs> There's three people in this relationship. Mate, she was up there with Princess Leah when I was a kid. Oh, yeah. All right, well, look. Go on, sorry. No, I was going to say, Adam, my brother's like that. Because uh, one of the dads at his school is a DJ from um, Alan Partridge. What's he called? Um, Phil Clifton. Phil Clifton, yeah. And he's, he still hasn't spoke to him. Sees him every day. Stands next really? to him. Really? Just dare not say anything to him. Oh, amazing. It's a Phil Clifton of Radio Show, and... <laughs> What are you going to say to him? Oh, dear. You'd have to say something partridge, wouldn't you? Yeah. Uh, I'll see an interview with, um, oh, God, um, Stephen Mangan uh, the other day, and he was saying that whatever he does artistically, you know, within work, nothing will ever surpass the fact that at least five times a day someone will shout Dan at him at the top of their voice. Yeah, it's going to happen, isn't it? <laughs> what a moment. All right, well, look, um, what I'm going to do is uh, play a track by Madness. Uh, I hope you don't mind. And, and we also spoke earlier um, before we was on air about um, chatting to one of the guys from Madness and, and how they played this seminal show in, in 1992, their comeback gig. Um, uh, Finsby Park uh, which they didn't think in a million years would sell out completely sold out and it, it was incredible um, the, the, the support was enduring the blockheads Morrissey flowered up gallon drunk it was it was an amazing day and uh, and then the, the guy from Madness Bedders just went yeah then uh, all got a bit much so I, so I thought I'd walk home <laughs> uh, just the thought of playing to a sold out Finsbury Park and then just think oh, I'm going to stroll home now I think alright so I'm going to play this track um, which is from from Madstock and uh, and I think it's um, without a shadow of a doubt the uh, probably the, the my favourite Madness song and, and when, when I talk about how underrated I think Madness are in regards to how people look back on, on people that have been vital to to, to, to to the British music scene when people talk about and the Kinks and the Beatles and things like that. Uh, I think that Madness as songwriters and, and and lyrically don't get the credit they deserved. And I think a lot of that might come to the comedic nature of their videos, you know, throughout the 80s, which were iconic and was probably the reason why it reminds so many people of that generation of school. But I think everything else aside, they write amazing songs. And, and to tackle social commentary on this... Uh, uh, yeah, the social commentary on the on this this track that I'm about to play, I think, was uh, w- w- was absolutely vital. So I'm going to play um, "Embarrassment" um, from uh, Mad Dog. Don't seem to want to know you know. 
from Madstock in 1992. What's the uh, quintessential Madness album? Uh, it would probably that... have to be the best, best of Madness. Of Madness. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't think you can... I, I'd say absolutely. But, um, and what's that? That's their... Their second album. Okay. And, uh, Is that, and that was... Because they were stiff records and then they went to a major, right? That's right, yeah. yeah. And then I think they tried to do some of it them, themselves and... It, it was really weird. I, I, um, I was recording an album uh, years and years and years ago, back when I was trying to do do bands and stuff. And I, I was at a studio in High Barnet, and in the studio next door was the saxophonist in Madness, uh, Lee Thompson. And Madness was such a massive thing for me. And I literally looked. And I just thought, Oh my God, that's the guy from Madness. He's, he's he's recording next door, and he was managing some some sort of young ska band at the time. This was kind of mid 90s so I just literally sort of collared him and just bent his ear and told him what a crazy madness fan and stuff like that I was and I don't think there was any band that had more top 40 hits than madness in the 80s so that's that's some going and then it was my birthday that night and we went out um to the pub with Liam and we had a few drinks and I said look we're going clubbing now we went to uh Coco on Camden Palace, it was at the time, to, to feet first. Really? The, uh, so, yeah, yeah, well, that was the place to be, right? Yeah. And uh, and then when we left, uh, uh, I it was two o'clock in the morning, I'm walking back up Camden High Street, I see the saxophonist from Madness get out the back of a van, fly poster in uh, for, for bands. And I was like, hi, oh, Lee. And he was like, yeah, yeah, I just, just got to try and earn a few quid. And, and I, I didn't realise just how badly a deal they probably got served madness yeah. obviously I imagine since then they've obviously gone forward and, and played these huge shows and all those they had right to squeeze yeah. as well didn't yeah. they like they oh, got really? absolutely fucking screwed yeah sorry can I swear on this one yeah oh, okay yeah they got cunted, but like, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but like I, I can swear like you, you've got a posh enough accent that you can get away with saying that word I can't say it <laughs> You could do it. I can't. It's like when you had Dom Jolly on your podcast and he, right. he said the C word a few times. I'm like, I'd love to be able to say that word. I can't. Yeah, I've never, no one's ever recoiled you, when I've said it. No, because you've got a nice enough. But also, I've never called say- someone that is a vicious thing either. Yeah. Like, yeah. you know, but like, but yeah, but squeak, like all of those bands from the late <laughs> 70s, early 80s. What? So Tilbrook and Difford? Mate, he got, I remember I opened for uh, Glenn Tilbrook when I was like, 18, it was my, one of my first gigs in London. And I remember driving up being super excited because he was, you know, Squeeze were like, my dad raised me on Squeeze and Elvis Costello yeah. and all that stuff. And I was coming up to this pub in Islington and it was a really big deal for me. And then when he was on stage, he was just like, he was like, yeah, you know, any advice for bands, just make sure your record deal is watertight because we got royally screwed. And have you seen the uh, Supermensch documentary, that Mike Myers documentary about the music manager? Yes, great. Really he, good. Yeah, he, he just got Squeeze out of their publishing deal just for kicks. Did he? Because he was a fan of the band. Yeah, just like wow. this, this, and um, it's kind of weird now to think that you could sign a deal, like a publishing deal, and not be in control of your songwriting. Yeah, I mean, like I don't, yeah. But I guess people had to go through it for it get to, for it to get to the place that it's in now. You know, I remember when Blur signed their deal with Andy Andy Food, Andy Ross. Who's got a show on this station? Have he? Yeah. Was that Balf? Was that uh, Dave, Dave Balf? Balf and Andy Ross? And I think I don't know who their lawyer was at the time, but. I think Andy Ross might have said to him, this, this is the worst record deal in the world. Like, they had no choice, Blur. So they didn't earn any money from that 
food deal for years, and then they got super big. Yeah. And then they would have probably come out of that onto Parlophone or something and renegotiated. But, yeah. you know, you, you have to sign... So these... they wouldn't have made anything off the first record? Then. No, and it's an argument now, especially in today's climate, when you think, well... You know, now bands don't make any money from record deals. It's just it's just a platform, isn't it? Yeah. That's how bands see it now, step, but back, it? Yeah. back then it was a moneymaker. My uh, my mate's band um, were managed by Dave Balfe. Oh, really? And they... So Dave Balfe, am I right in saying Country House was written about him? Yeah. 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 So yeah. they went to, they signed a, a management deal with Balfe, and I think a record deal as well, when we were sort of 22, 23, and then they went to the Groucho to celebrate, and it was a karaoke night at the Groucho. Groucho's this members club. It's a very so, 90s right? members club. Very yeah. 90s members club, yeah. And... Um, and as a piss take for Balfe, they all got up and sang Country House. <laughs> and while they were singing it, in the corner was the bass player from Blur. I could see you that. Yeah, um, Alex. Yeah, Alex. And he'd be there with Damien Hurst every night. Yeah, yeah. And in the background, like, this was only like seven, eight years ago, maybe ten years ago. And Alex James is in, in the back, like, just sort of head in his hands. And my mate drunkenly went over to him and was like, hey, man, you know, I'm a big fan. We just signed to Dave Balfe. And Alex just went, yeah, man, good luck. Good luck. <laughs> when we signed our record deal to London... Um, which was on Polydor at the time and then ended up on Warners. There's a band called Utah Saints, which were in London, had a massive, um, massive couple of hits and they were good friends with Jesus Jones, so we became good friends with Utah Saints. And I, I think at one point I was trying to be the keyboard player for them to go around America and I can't play keyboards, but we, we, I used to speak to them quite a lot and their manager and um, we're sitting having our meal, our, our big record signing meal, and he just comes in all drunk and he's in front of the whole label, and everybody went, oh, oh, I would just sign you, and oh, congratulations, I hope you got a good sense of humour. <laughs> and then walked out in front of everyone. I said, Oh man, what have we done? <laughs> but we still own 1.8 million quid, so the laugh's on them. <laughs> <laughs> was, that, was that the label? What was so, the Hi Fi Serious record? That was so, yeah. That was your. F- that, that was our third album. By then, London, it was still London, but London was. On Warner's end, so it's a whole new staff. Ra Nauman had left, everyone had left, and uh, John Reed came in as MD and hated the band. John Reed, the manager. John Reed, who's now at Live Nation, oh, was okay. in, oh, yeah. and, and he hated our band. I think when he heard us, and then so they said they wouldn't give us any money to go make the third album, and we'd had these two demos, this song Starbucks, which you played earlier, and this song Nothing, and they gave us enough money just to go record those two songs. Mm. So we went and recorded them, and then he heard it and went, oh wow, it's amazing. Yeah. And then so we literally had to beg to make that album. Man, I remember and seeing. Then we spent two hundred and fifty grand on a video. And yeah, was, I remember seeing the Starbucks video because when when I was because I grew up in Norfolk, right? Oh right, really. And you're from Suffolk. Uh, yeah, yeah. So. You, a were like an aspirational band for every thirteen-year-old. Because it was slightly further south. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> we could be like, we could be like, we could it even was slightly less inbred. <laughs> you could go a little bit further without seeing a cousin. <laughs> and like, yeah, because you guys were. I remember going to a, a recording studio in Southwold, right? In which is in Suffolk, right? It's, that's where we lived. Southwold. Is it? Yeah. So we went. To that's s- where Mike lives now. The guitarist. No yeah. way. Yeah. So our my. First Isn't a recording band. studio in Southwold? Yeah, the, my first band's first, and it, this is really the greatest metaphor for the music industry I've ever, like, of all my adult life, was this one thing that happened when I was a kid, where the, there was this uh, studio that we found in Southwold that was like relatively cheap, I think it was called like Fat Studios or something, and we booked to do like a day there to record like our first EP, and we were sort of 12, 13 years old. And our parents drove us, we had like two cars full of gear, and we drove up to the studio, and, and I called the guy 
from the studio. I was like, how do we know when we find the studio? And he's like, you'll know when you see the studio because there's a, you'll see a stretch limousine outside. And we were like, oh my God, there's a stretch limousine. <laughs> so we drove from Norfolk to Suffolk into Southwold, pull up at this studio, and the limo is a burnt out limousine on bricks. <laughs> To me, it just sums up my entire career. <laughs> oh, wow. It's probably good. No, it was shit. Yeah. <laughs> it used to work. Yeah. Oh, brilliant. Um, right, so for track four, Jace. Yeah, mate. So it's the last song. Well, it's going to be the first song you hear when you walk into a, a, a club on a night out. Yeah, I think I've been a bit naughty here. Thank you. Um, for my Thank tea. you for the coffee. Thank um, you the reason I've chosen this song is nothing to do with your question. But okay. I was looking for an opportunity to play this because I know for a fact right now in the world this song's not being played on the radio anywhere. Yeah. And I wanted to make you two sit through it. Yeah. So I've chosen Marathon by Rush. <laughs> has anyone ever had a conversation with you, Jace, where you or your brother has not mentioned Rush? No, and it is an in joke. And if I'm in the studio with a band, I make them listen to Tom Sawyer by Rush every morning while I do the drums, the air drums to it. But joking apart, like, this is never going to get on the radio. It's not cool. Rush aren't cool, which is why they've been. I mean, I think they were. I thought in the 80s, Rush were very cool. Yeah. And when this album came out, I thought they were really cool. And they've started filling all the mid range of keyboards and not guitars. And I think Andy Richards did a lot of keyboard stuff on it. And um, what's her name from The Out of Noise? Oh, what's she called now? Did a lot of orchestral stuff on this. I, I, that sounds really. And, and Dudley. And Dudley, yeah. So, uh, and Peter Collins. Um, produced it so it's, it was all that um, uh, what's it called Trevor Horn it's the whole Trevor Horn production team took a rock band and produced this album and this might be boring for people listening but you know the kind of culture at the time or the, the you know um, the context at the time was you know rock bands on Iron Maiden I'm yeah. not knocking Iron Maiden I like Iron Maiden but that's what rock bands look like long hair denim leather um, and then you got Rush you look like Duran Duran and we're into Talking Heads and the Police, and they've got Trevor Horn's team to produce a rock album, and and you know people hate Geddy Lee's voice, and I'm not comfortable with it sometimes, but the way this song is put together, and if you listen to it when it's playing, there's a couple of moments, and it's his big guitar chords. It's just funny. the mid range is all keyboards, and then the bass is pumping along. And he's just doing these big guitar splashes, which are really 80s kind of opening guitar calls. It could be Pete Buck from R.E.M. It could be The Police. It, it, it's, it's not what a rock band does with guitars. And then they do this thing, which just kills me. In the solo, they do this thing that Rush do, which no other band I know does. And it's this tension release thing, which is obviously big in rock production where, and dance music as well, more than anything. You build something up and then you drop and you know you get this big release after all that tension and it works really well. Well, they do that a lot. And in the solo on this, the bass starts and the guitar just doing a few notes and then the guitar joins in and plays what the bass is playing and it kind of builds and builds and builds and then just when you think it's not going to go any, any better, they go to the, the chorus chords and it comes in on the keyboards and I'll get goosebumps now listening to it. And it's, to me, it's one of the coolest pieces of music I've ever heard. I and don't it's think... Rush. And I know people hate Rush, unless you're a Rush fan. Well, you've sold it well, Jace. I know. I try and do this to all the bands I'm with, and no one likes Rush. Um, I... Unless you love Rush. No one likes them. You either love them or you hate them. You get them or you hate them. Dan Carter 
He's in the middle. He's yeah. still trying to like them. Bless yeah. him. When Dane, when Dane come, uh, I sent Dane the, the list of questions over for him to choose his tracks for, for Off the Beaten Track when he come on. Obviously, he'd listen to your one. And uh, one of the things he did put, he said, there will not be any rush on this list. Yeah. <laughs> did he know that I mentioned a rush on? Yeah, of course. <laughs> so this is just me trying to, anyway, to, to pigeonhole a song that no one, and, and if you think of Rush, you never think of this song. Yeah. But I think it's genius. Stu, do you have a band that you're constantly defending that no one else likes? Puff May. <laughs> I don't think so. Um, have you, Josh? Yeah, but it, on it, it's honestly on this list, so I don't want to say who it is oh, yet. Oh, really? Yeah, That's yeah, going to yeah, be interesting. Yeah. yeah. Right, I know what it is. Grange Hill theme, right? <laughs> <laughs> okay. Is it, is it track eight? I'm not going to say. All right. right. Like, I, won't say, I won't mention it. Because but... I haven't got the list in right. front of me. Oh, okay. All right. Well, um, let, let, let's, let's play Marathon by Rush anyway, because... Um... Well, I'm going to lose my shit when this is Jason has pretty much played every possible air instrument uh, available throughout the duration of uh, Marathon by Rush. That was a classic fade-out. <laughs> Thanks, that man. Was a, that was a great fade-out. How do you feel fading Rush out on the radio? That must be like, that's a new high for you, right? Is it a new for DJs? Just to, just to play Rush on the radio and then fade them out and talk over them. It what was a moment. Calm you... with finesse. Thanks, man. And charm. A lot, no. of pressure, a lot of pressure. And a Susan of, of a vigour as well. <laughs> I'll take that, mate. Yeah, a little bit debonair. <laughs> okay, so so this is... That, that's something I, I actually think I, I, I jumped a track. When I said uh, that that last track, Rush, was, was what you're going to have on your headphones as you're walking to the club. Oh, so yeah. I can picture you walking down there playing air drums and, 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 and such on, on route. Oh, yeah, that sounds even better on headphones as well. Yeah. If you can imagine that. Yeah. You've... You've really sold that, Jace. <laughs> you will go home and listen to it live. <laughs> <laughs> right, for track five, mate. So when you get to this club, um, on your last night out ever, what track do you want to hear when you walk in? This is really boring and obvious. And the reason I say it is because, obviously, this is an obvious thing for some of the rock music and Indian music to say about a club song. But it's only because I was watching Ready Player One the other day which, by the way, on the trailer for Ready Play One, they use Tom Sawyer by Rush, and it's still the greatest ever trailer to a movie I've ever seen. I lost my mind, because there's loads of Rush references in the book, and, and then, obviously, in the film, there's a few Rush posters hidden around the kids' room, but on the trailer, they play Tom Sawyer, and, uh, and it's not in the movie. So I went for the watched the movie and sat through the whole movie waiting for Tom Sawyer by Rush, which never came. It kind of ruined the movie for me. But there's a moment where this next song... Um, that, that's how I feel about when I watch any film. <laughs> you wait for Rush. I'm just waiting for Tom Sawyer by Rush. Schindler's List was shit. That's why it was shit. I know. And it could have done with Tom Sawyer, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I think if Johnny and the Depp... Johnny Depp's Charlie and the Chocolate Factory would have gone there. Definitely. Johnny and the Depp, they sound like a band... Uh, anyway, this so yeah, this is Blue Monday, isn't it, by New Order, and it's in that movie, 
And the reason I mention it is because it's kind of a cliched, obvious answer. It just sounded so good in the cinema and sounded more modern and more current than any other song on that movie. I was like, how have you made a record that sounds this good 30 years ago? 30 years, 30 years ago? In 30 years' time. So, I yeah. reckon it's older than that. It's got to be, maybe how old was I when it would have been 10? Yeah, yeah, 40 years. Yeah, yeah. Still sounds like it was made last week. Let's get it on. Blue Monday, New Order. Sorry, guys, I actually played the uh, 88 version there. Not the, Everyone not... at home is thinking that you are an amateur. Do you know what? I, when I pressed play, I noticed it was only like sort of four minutes, and I thought, I'll type. That's, that's not that's not. Well, Blue just Monday. as well, because we've only got 50 minutes left. 50 minutes left. I think he got a bit arrogant from his rush fade-out. <laughs> <laughs> got a bit ahead of himself. Yeah. Oh, Back down to earth now, Stu. Sorry, mate. Sorry, mate. Last, right. What's the next one? It's the last song to soundtrack a round of shots before. Ooh. So you're on the dance floor, so you're going to... Uh... What would the shot be? Um, mm. Oh, I think I remember what I put for this. Yeah, it'd have to be Jägermeister for a reason. Okay. Which is... Because... Is this um, the Blood Hand Gang, yeah? Bad Touch? That's mm-hmm. correct. So obviously, if anyone knows our band, they know that our connection to this band is family almost in fact Adam my brother and Dan bass player were in the band for a while until they got banned from Russia that's another story but um I, uh, I'll do at some point want to hear this story because yeah, I've I, heard it so many times but yeah it's, you, you will know <laughs> I think Dan's even sick of hearing it but Adam's not sick of telling it but um but uh, uh, we we I don't know we must have done six seven or eight tours with that band starting off in Europe and then to America and then around Eastern Europe. And then what was cool on this album, a Ray for Boobies album with the Bad Touches, we we joined them at the Meltweg in, um, Amsterdam. in Amsterdam. Yeah, which is not massive, still a decent venue. Mm. And we basically opened up for them for the next two years and watched them go from the Meltweg to stadiums. Wow. So we went from that to. So you, the first time you met them was on this was on the Hooray, Hooray for Boobies. It just about to come it's out. It's really hard to say that album name. I know. Seriously. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. On, on Hooray for Boobies. I know. <laughs> but um. Was yeah. That, so that so you didn't know because what was the album before that? Because I didn't that... know them on that. That their Firewater Burn on the album before that, That's which right. was a big hit. But the Bad Touch was starting to get loads of traction in Europe. Got big in Europe first. It's going to get that Euro. Very new older influenced, yeah, and um, yeah, they were like a car crash, but actually, we, we got to know them as you know the intelligent, smart people that they are because it's all you know, a lot of it's just shtick. So, they have shtick meetings every day in soundcheck. Normally, at three o'clock in the afternoon, there's a shtick meeting with the whole band and crew have to arrive to the shtick meeting, and it's taken really seriously. And there's a there's always a notice on the door that says you're not allowed to bring shtick to the shtick meeting. <laughs> Which makes it really hard. <laughs> but um and basically everyone's doing research and it's like, you know, what's a shtick list for tonight? And they'll have a set list and then they'll have a shtick list. I remember once in, in Amsterdam in Holland, Jared's set list was, you know, the set list and his shtick list was um windmills and clogs. <laughs> so, <laughs> so Jared, he's like, your shtick list, he's like, that's all I got. It's like, okay. <laughs> Can it be great shtick? You guys have got some weird shoes. Oh, uh, anyway, um, so, 
Um, but yeah, to watch a band go, so we went that to Grosser Freiheit, kind of um, for the German, the Germans, which is what two thousand capacity. It's like like Hamburg's Astoria to that level, which is big. And then to go from that to like sheds, and then to arenas, and then the finish that cycle, headlining forty thousand capacity stadiums, which was amazing, all because of this song. And every night before we go on stage, Jared, the bass player, because the whole tour was sponsored by Jägermeister, so. We're all in Jägermeister buses and there's Jägermeister machines on each bus and there's all Jägermeister people out of us. And he'd do this little toast going, here's to the heat. And he'd have to do this Jägermeister toast, which after a few months, you're like, really? We've got to do that again. Yeah. <laughs> but every night he'd do it and then he'd go on and they'd become the Blood Hand Gang. And, and it was, it was so, weird because it is a very electronic sounding record, isn't it? Yet yeah. it got embraced by the kind of American Pie yeah, kind of. Exactly, yeah. It's an incredible pop song. Yeah. And the production on it still holds yeah. as well. Yeah. And Jim's obsessed with New Order and obsessed, we talked last time about Depeche Mode. Yeah. You know, he's a guy who came all the way over to Basildon just to, to be where Depeche Mode yeah. and Nia or nearly from. That must have been disappointing. I think he's still stoked about it. Still thinks it's the best thing ever. God. This song, I remember, because this song for me was like, because I was in Norfolk, so like MTV2 rotation was how you heard new music. Yeah. yeah. Or go into. There's a record store in Norwich called Sound Clash where you go to and be like, "Oh, what's new?" Yeah, and they like, but this video, and then the, and then you learn, the, uh, you know, the, you learn everything about their back catalogue afterwards because they'd start playlisting all the old songs as well. Yeah, but like this song was like, I I remember the speed it went from like MTV2, uh, like so I I'd had to go to bed at like half nine every night and I wait till my parents went to bed and I sneak downstairs and just watch MTV2 till like three because it would get dark yeah. on MTV2. They have like that. I don't know. I, I'd call it like the Nine Inch Nails hour when it was yeah. just all that weird industrial yeah. stuff. And the speed that this song went from like midnight on MTV2 to Radio One Breakfast Show. Yeah, I nuts. remember driving to school like ten days later, and 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 like whoever it was, Chris Moyles or something, playing it, and being like, "Oh my god, that was insanely fast!" Yeah, how quick that happened, because it just got like, it was like that. Um, 90s American yeah. uh, bro comedies. Yeah. Yeah. Like American, yeah. 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 Was, it, was this song in one of them? No, but they, 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 I mean, we, they were all, it was caught up in that kind of Wheatus yeah, teenage yeah, world. Yeah. But I remember being on, on a tour bus somewhere in Germany when they got the news that they'd been aliased at MTV and K-Rock in America with his song. And he just knew then. Yeah. So we, we literally got another tour in America on the back of that where... I mean, that was like pr proper big venues. And um, yeah, I mean, all on the back of, I mean, they had other songs on the album, Chasey Lane and other songs that were big in Germany, but this song, well, everyone knows this song. Yeah. Should we have it? Yeah. Let's do it. Amazing. <laughs> well, now, we call this the act of mating, but there are several other very important differences between human beings and animals that you should know about. Touch chosen by today's guest, Jason Perry. So, just to remind you, um, you can hit us up on Twitter at boogaloo underscore radio. We're on Instagram at boogaloo radio, or just email us directly at hello at boogaloo radio.com. Hope you're enjoying what we're chatting about. So, we're going to move on now 
to track six. Sorry, Josh, was the, the, the band that you wanted to reference, was it the Bloodhound Gang? <coughs> it was not. It was not. Oh, right. Nor Still was to come. it the Still Boys of Beastie. Okay, okay. <laughs> so, um, you're standing in the club, you've yep. just done your shots, mate, and it's time to have a little dance. So, what track is going to get you on the dance floor? So, what you want by the Beastie Boys. Not only will it get me on the dance floor, it'll make me lose my mind. Yeah. I still I can't even talk about it. It just blows my mind. This this entire album, the production, the where they were culturally, just uh, that night the Astoria on this tour, oh no, on the license before the Ill Communication tour was the best gig I've ever seen. How many times have you seen them? Pieces, mm. I don't know, eight, maybe, seven or eight. I never saw it. It's one of my great them. career, like, seen them all the life. Story, I was, yeah. never saw them, yeah. Best gig ever seen in my life was that Astoria gig. So it's just... And then they were on the... the, the was that, wait, was that all communication? Just before all communication, yeah, so... Wow, amazing. Yeah. So Sure Shot wasn't even out yet. Mm. Um, what was the setup? Was it just DJ, or did they have a... No, it was full band, Money Mark and... Amazing. I mean, Money Mark, I mean, this this keyboard riff is unbelievable, isn't it? Yeah. And then when the drums come in and just the lyrics, just everything about it. And it's yeah. got that call to arms that we talked about intros yeah. last time. When you hear this riff, it's basically saying to everyone, right, you ready for this? Yeah. It's going to kick off in a minute. And it's get yourself ready. Well, and then when that downbeat, when that snare comes in. Yeah. Just gonna They're just the greatest, one of the greatest bands ever. Oh, it was funny because I, like, I, I have such an emotional connection to this band just because I just they just changed my life yeah. so much. They're better than Rush. Well, we can talk about that off air, but like, um, <laughs> no, they are. Yeah, awesome. <laughs> but like, they are, in my opinion, like, and everyone, many people's opinion. But I've never. There's no band I love more whose songs I don't have any idea what any of their songs are about. I don't know what one beastie, apart from Fight for Your Right to Fight. Great on my Like, I just don't know yeah. what any of the, I, that, and that, the fact that it seems like so much lyrically where they were coming from, it was about flow and yeah. about improvisation and about pure, like, it, for Being yourself. Yeah, it was yeah. like, Being I true. Got, like, I got a line for the chorus. It's like, so what you want? Okay, yeah. cool. And they get the chorus out yeah. and then they're just like, now do whatever the fuck you want, but just yeah. make it yeah. good. And do all, do all, um, you, you, you touched on it earlier, Stu, about uh, Rush. I hate to only about to rush, but you said there's that Rush documentary and if you watch it, you can't help but love them. And it's like, there's loads of bands I've met throughout my life where I didn't really like their band and then I met them. And then, because they're so nice, I like their band. Mm. And it just shows you how tenuous it is between actually accepting music that you think you shouldn't like and then just by one little, you know, two or 3% shift to one way, you think, oh, it's okay to like them now. Yeah. And it's like that with that Rush documentary because they're so nice, you love them even more. And the beasts have got that. I mean, and, you know, Yowch passing and stuff, but I just went to that book tour recently at, at the um, um, thingy. Uh, Lit, uh, Brand, what was it? Uh, oh, the Hackney uh, Art, the Earth. No, Electric Ballroom. No, we used to call it um, Forum. Country Club. Forum. And it was one of the best nights of my life. And that, that, that lovely bond that they've got between each other and they finish each other's sentences and... They had that all the way through their career and they've still got it. And just watching their relationship and how important and the genuine love, you know, they don't have to talk about it. It's not like the Chili Peppers who keep telling you how much you love each other and you're like, mate, really? Like, they absolutely genuinely love each other and that came through everything that they did, through the yeah. book, through that tour, through this music. Yeah. You can sell that they're yeah. always 
locked in together and it was them against the world and they didn't really care and also like, oh. the fact that when he died they were just like alright done done yeah. full stop yeah like that takes a lot of balls and not just from a and I don't mean like a money making they could have gone out but just like for that to be your life for 25 years yeah. or 30 years and then yeah. just to go alright done yeah. full th- like no more well, there's a moment Josh on this tour on the book tour where um, um, Adam Arovitz comes down the front and he sits on the lip of the stage and he's like so it was our last gig and they're talking about the last show and he starts he started crying and he's like you know we didn't know at the time but this was our last gig was that and the earth uh, I think it was yeah earth aid or whatever it was and he's called, like yeah. um some big thing in Philadelphia or something, I don't know where he was, but he said, you know, our parents are there and our friends are there and we didn't know it, but that was, and he, he couldn't finish it and he had to get a kid on stage to come and read it. Yeah. And everyone was just nearly crying and, and people were crying and it's yeah. just, it's genuine and, and then it can be so funny. <laughs> also just to go like, you know, starting as a punk rock band and then transitioning into, and like they're, the, the cool thing about the Beastie Boys is that they could tour with Run DMC and tour with Madonna. Yeah. And they were still just the Beastie Boys. Yeah. You know, they, there was like a through line where they could get away with. And it was, you know, it was tantamount to respect from their peers. In, like to come into a genre that is, you know, a subculture that is b- completely a black genre. Mm. And to do it so well. And probably have the biggest selling rap album of its time back yeah. then. I'm yeah. sure Licensed like, to Ill sure must have been. I'm sure Licensed to Ill, like an LL Cool J and Will Smith or, or whatever else came out that year. Mm. was like, yeah. And, and... To also, or from a production point of view as well, like as they was moved away from Rick Rubin and they made all those records that are just like, like who produced them? Mario C did this. It was just, it was just a sound man they met in a club. But they got that line, you know, keyboard money, Mark. You know, and giving, and having it, give him some wood and he'll build your cabinet. I, I just love bands who sing about themselves. Yeah, and um, we tried to do that in our band and still do. And and it's just you want to be in their gang, and you're never gonna be because. That gang's so cool. They, they, also, they were just beyond cool, weren't they? Like, yeah, everything yeah. they done. I mean, I'm not going to lie and say I bought Paul's Boutique when it came out because I didn't. I, I, you know, Licence Tour was a massive, massive thing for me and, and, and any other kid of my age. We was out robbing V-dub signs and, yeah. and putting them on, on, on bits of string around their neck and wanting to be in the Beastie Boys. And then I, I didn't get Paul's Boutique when it came out. They, they, you know, yeah, nor did I. And then the track that you've chose... I can't hear that without just seeing them three jumping yeah, at the beginning so, yeah, of that video yeah, yeah. and then hearing like some of my stoner mates went, we've got the new Beastie Boys album. And I was like, oh, let's check it out. And to hear the difference from Time for Living to Something's Gotta Give. Yeah. I mean, fucking hell. Like, I mean, it's two ends of the spectrum. And then to see them all standing there playing it as a band, mm. like, yeah. just incredible. And then, obviously, move forward another couple of years to your communication. And it's like, and that's why I think when he died, it was such a, it, a lot of people, it really affected. Because, you know, mm. in the time that we, you know, people lose Bowie and Prince and things like all these amazing artists, for me, the Beasties was... The ultimate. They were my pistols when I was a kid. I said to my were, dad that was my John Lennon. Yeah, when, when you actually yeah, yeah. And it was. And and as a DJ throughout their whole career, whatever they done, I played in clubs. Yeah. You know. And, yeah. You know, and it was and, and, it was the first. It really, I think, was the first sort of social media death as well. Mm. I remember my housemate saying it. He just sat on the sofa and he was like, "Oh, someone from the Beastie Boys died," and I was like, "And he was. He's not a fan." 
and I cried. Yeah. And I think that was, was that was before or after Michael Jackson. After I think it was just after. after. Yeah. yeah. But I remember being so much more upset. Oh yeah. By yeah. By Alk's death, like it was. But you're you're on about that thing with MTV too. Like you could you could actually pinpoint all that back. Maybe I'm wrong about this. I don't know what I'm talking about. But you, you could pinpoint that crossover of cultures that the 90s had really back to this song where suddenly they've gone from a hip-hop kind of band to kind of that 70s funk, Dust Brothers, Paul's Boutique, to now we're wearing beanie hats and body warmers and we're wearing flannel shirts and we look like snowboarders. We look like a grunge band yeah. meets a hip-hop band and it's all DIY and it's dirty sounding and it sounds like a demo and it's... That, that to me sums up that whole decade... Yeah. In this one song that started it, and it is that first beat when they're all jumping. It's just, yeah. So what you want by the Beastie Boys? And the little tambourine. Yeah. Yeah. So what do you want by the Beastie Boys? So. We have just pretty much all agreed that they are the greatest band ever. Yeah. Tweet uh, in if you disagree. You can, uh, no you can one, no message one can us on Boogaloo uh, underscore radio or hit us up on Instagram, Boogaloo Radio, or just email us in hello at boogalooradio.com. And if you disagree with us, we will uh, message you back and say you're wrong. <laughs> okay. What's the next song? Um, it's the song that gives you the ultimate hands-in-the-air euphoric moment at the end of the night, Jace. <laughs> And so you went, you went a bit boy band on this, this one. This is an interesting choice. Yes. Um, yeah, I mean, you know. <sighs> yes. I mean, you haven't gone for yes, have you? Let's just clarify that. I haven't gone for we're, yes. We've not got All some right. more prog. You know what we went about earlier, like pop songs that are rock songs? Yeah. This is it. If Faith and Moore did a cover of this song, it would be incredible. That's a very good point. And through it all. It's just amazing. And the other thing about this. That's a really good point. The production thing is. The way you romanticise records, because records are big, this is a massive song with small production, and I love that when it happens. And um, so you think when this song comes in, you imagine the drums are massive, and they're not, they're tiny. In fact, the drum sounds arguably not that great. So a rock band would, band would have put a massive big snare, stadium snare in it, and they haven't. So it's all about the vocal making it big. Same with Beautiful Day by U2. Drums are tiny, but you think they're da 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 and they're not. Um... So I find it really interesting, and I remember back talking about our band. We did, we've only ever done Glastonbury once, and it was a year it rained, and we were on our, uh, just before the Deftones, and we got mud pelted at us, and I was dressed as a bear in a bear costume because delivery wasn't around then. <laughs> <laughs> and John Peel was alive. John Peel was watching us on the side of stage, and I remember having a moment getting covered in mud, dressed as a bear, thinking, I wish I hadn't have done this now. Dressed as a bear in front of John Peel. And Dan was looking at me disgusted because he didn't know I was going to dress as a bear. I walked on. Um, anyway, it, it rained and rained and all the tall buses had to be pushed out of the mud. And I'm like, I hate this festival. I'm never coming back here again. It's awful. Reading, reading, reading. Leech, leech, leech. What stage was this? Uh, what stage were you on? Our uh, second stage. The other. The, whatever it was. It wasn't the main stage. But anyway, we got our bus out of the mud and as we're driving out, Robbie Williams is on stage on the main stage singing this and suddenly it stops raining. It's the opposite of the Travis moment where it started raining. And um, you see 80,000 people singing his song 
and it just sounded like a massive rock song and everyone's got their hands in the air and it's just one of those incredible songs that is kind of like a that generation's New York, New York, I guess. You could play at the end of a um, night and everybody would have their hands in the air be hugging each other. And I think anyone... The, the most played wedding and funeral song in Great Britain. Is it? Yeah. It doesn't surprise yeah, me. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, structurally, a wedding and a funeral are essentially the same thing. Yeah. But it's still yeah. good that they're both... At both. It's like... But Guy, him and Guy Chambers had, like... So Robbie Williams wrote all these songs with Guy Chambers, right? Yeah. And they like the the sequence of hits that they had. Steve Power produced it at that time. Yeah, from yeah. like '96 to like whatever it was. It was insane the number of like yeah. massive hits that they had together. And he couldn't shut him out quick enough. I remember talking to Steve Power once about that song where the video was them being ice skaters. Mm, uh, uh, she's the one. She's the one. And he said it was that's so a cover, square. isn't it? No, is and, it? And that yeah. was a demo. That's a, is that, it? I don't think that's a chamber thing. I think that's. I'm sure oh, that's a cover. Yeah, I thought. It, I think it was one of Guy's demos that they ended up using the vocal from, wow. which is why it always sounds so auto-tuned because he never went and did the vocal proper. That's how desperate they were because it's obviously so big and on tour at the time. Are you, che- you fact checking this? I'm fact checking right now. 19- fact checking, oh. cuz. Oh no, that's the that's sorry, that's the 1996 rom com. She's the one. Oh, um, that had um, Rachel Lee Cook in it. She it was, did. She was beautiful. Yeah, she was one of them. Um, that was when the, the the sort of American teen films involved making this girl look really ugly by just putting a pair of um, black rim glasses on a stunningly beautiful girl, and then at the end of the film, she'll take the glasses yeah. off and uh, will instantly somehow become beautiful. Neighbours did that with Jane. Plain Jane, super brain. Yes. It's a hot Jane. It Unbelievable was, that moment when I was like, "Oh my god, I never knew!" It's like a Superman. You know Taylor Swift got away with it until very recently. Yeah. She was like, "I'm not a Greek statue. I'm just your girl from next door." I was like, "Shut up! Take the glasses off." Uh, it was. You're right. It was written by Carl Wallinger, That's and right. it was performed by the band World Party. That's World right. Party. World yeah. Party, which was um, one of the guys from. Oh god, I never got into World Party. Oh god, what was his name? Oh, uh, what, the guy from the band? From World Party, yeah. Um, it doesn't say. Carl Wallinger. Right, okay. No? I've been to his burger chain. Very good. <laughs> um, they, I sang at Guy Chambers' Christmas party. Did like, you? A couple of weeks ago, yeah. Really? Are you, have you and, worked with him, haven't you? Yeah, yeah. I go, I've known him for a long time, and, and he asked me to come sing at it, and I'm not a singer anymore, and I was like, oh, well, all right pay me and no no, but, but no and I went and sang and it was an honour and there was all these great acts on and um, are Robbie and him's friends yeah yeah they're super tight they've got a new thing coming out right. I think um, but uh, I went along and I and I sang Fairytale of New York with Diane Chorley Diane Chorley is uh, I don't know what the uh, I wouldn't describe her as a drag queen but it's a man playing a character as a woman Okay. so we went out and we sang the song together and I have this great video of Diane Chorley's guitarist is my mate Simon and the character he plays is this very sort of country boy called Milky and he doesn't talk and he wears this weird bowl cut wig and so I brought them up for my duet and the old audience was very it was a weirdly confusing thing and, and we sang the song and then it was the penultimate song of the evening and Angels was next and Guy just looked at Simon, my mate, who's dressed like in a white baseball jacket with a white cap that says Milky with a blonde wig, tight denim trousers and like uh, big orange sunglasses. And Guy's like, do you want to play Angels? And so I was like, yeah, all right. Dressed like this. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like just on, off the cuff, like in front of like 200, 300 people. And then Guy's like, do you know the chords? And so I was like, no. So I had this video of, <laughs> of them playing Angels and Guy just going F sharp. 
Amazing. Be like and Simon just like following at the end of the night, not knowing the chords. Who sang? Uh, one. It wasn't Robbie. It was one of yeah. guys like. Uh, hard to sing. I reckon that's a very hard song to sing. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And that that Patton m- could do it. Yeah, that's yeah. a really good shout. Could... Yeah, Patton would be great at that. So I, I, I think anyone of that that saw that Glastonbury performance when it happened, it was a a bit of a moment when I think. Robbie Williams had a few almost sort of flop singles, I think, by then. I think mm-hmm. like the, the South of the Old Boulder. Old and Day, was that, one, was that one of the guys? Yeah. And did he do South of the Boulder? Like, and I think there was a few... Like, sing- and he covered Freedom. That's he, right. Yeah. That's had right. A, he'd had a few pies for that one. He had, yeah. Well, he looked a bit drug bloated, didn't he? Yeah. I think, yeah. And then he'd come on stage at Glastonbury looking, dressed in black, looking pretty slick. And, and then literally that performance was probably the one that everybody... Yeah remembers from that that the footage of Glastonbury that year and it, it definitely catapulted him and almost gave him some credibility to the you know the alternative and the indie kids then uh, I think that's what that's why that's what started those kind of um guilty pleasure moments at yeah, yeah. festivals where you can have a pop star turn up yeah and actually nail it so Kylie yeah. could come and do it or whatever yeah it was an interesting time as well that you could go because he did that and then he did the the one after I've been expecting you, I think was the record yeah. after this one. And then it was like, oh, it's a swing record. And that was yeah. a hit. There was a yeah. hit record. Yeah. That swing when you're winning. And yeah. like that's a I don't know if labels would have that faith yeah. in their biggest selling male solo artist now. Yeah. If suddenly like Dua Lipa was like, I think I'm gonna do a country record now. Yeah. I don't know if the label would but be But it'd be good if she did that. Yeah, it yeah. would be good. She, she can be, she it's totally funny when we were on tour in America around later after that and um MTV two in America were playing rock DJ. Which is an alternative song. Really? Yeah. Oh, it's really interesting. Oh, 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 that one. And it was a video, you know, he's taking oh, yeah, his skin off. Oh, yeah, that was an amazing video. Yeah. Incredible it video. Got so, it was like banned. Yeah. Because he goes out into a room of, like, so like a roller disco, and he's yeah. in the middle, and he takes all his clothes off, and no one's impressed, so he just starts sh- peeling his skin yeah. off. Yeah, and it was all, it was all glitched out on the video, so you couldn't see it, yeah, but yeah. Oh. that was an alternative MTV2 track in America. But like you say, it's, you know, like it's like a Bloodhound song. There's not much difference, is there? We've got 20 minutes Sorry. left. So we Let's this? have angels. Kind of salute. I sit away. There's an angel. Contemplate my face. I'm loving angels instead. Chosen by Jason, our guest today, which was Angels by Robbie Williams, as the song where, before the world ends and we all die, uh, Jason will be having his last hands in the air moment. Okay, for the next track, looking at the time, we've got about 15 minutes left to play two songs. So oh, really? um, we're, 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 we've actually smashed it this time, Josh. Wow, we um, are ahead of schedule. Sorry. So, uh, did we miss one out? Or it's just because Grange Hill was eight seconds long? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So let's... Um, uh, let, let's ask you to um, message us in, and uh, by all means, suggest uh, some some answers to the, some of the questions that we've been asking our guests as well. Get involved. Tweet us at boogaloo underscore radio. Instagram we are boogaloo radio, or email us straight to our inbox on hello at boogaloo or just download the app. Jace, so you've left the club. Yeah. You're walking home, your buds. Mm-hmm. Singing this in our heads. You all stop. Yeah. Robbie's gone. He's died already. The world's ended where Robbie lives. So it's Stoke. Just, yeah. It's in a different time zone. St- yeah, St- yeah, 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 Stoke's gone. Hit Stoke first. Um, and as it makes its way further down... Through uh, Norfolk. 
user or you're having a huddle with your buds. I yeah. would not spend the end of the world in Norfolk. Are you insane? <laughs> it's already like the end of the world all the time. Um, what track are you going to go for, Jace? Uh, Long December by Counting Crows. Right. Mm. This has got another hands in the air moment. Na 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 na. You're together. Makes some melancholy. The lyrics are beautiful. It's makes you feel sad in a lovely way, in the way that the Beach Boys made you feel sad in a lovely way. It's I spent a lot of time up in those hills and sometimes in the rain, and I know exactly what he means. And there's obviously Adam. Me- metaphors as well, which you know. Uh, some of the lyrics, the way he says hospital, and I don't like Counting Crows. I'm not a big fan. In fact, I think I. I don't like any of the other songs apart from this. See, this is the band that I am always defending. Okay. Ah, this is the one. Mate, Counting Crows are my walking home drunk for all of my adult life. Do you like this song? I love this song. See, Ah. I I don't like this album that much. Satellites. Recovering Satellites. No, it's not as good as the two before. August and Everything After is a great album. I love this desert life. I love that album. What's the Mr. Jones song? I don't like that. Yeah, I don't like that song. August and Everything After. But there's, there's a live album... Have you heard the live album? Of course. And in Raining in Baltimore, he wigs out his voice. Yeah, yeah. And he really, really, really needs a raincoat. Yeah. And that moment where he just wigs out, he's, he's cracking. And and I know that it's... That album come out at a point when I loved R.E.M., you know, and, and, and it come out early 90s when there was quite a lot of kind of acoustic-y yeah. alternative stuff like, 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 like what R.E.M. was doing at that point. And... And I remember hearing Mr. Jones and thinking, oh, I quite like that. Yeah. And then, if I'm right, he, from what I gather, if I remember rightly, he dated yeah. Aniston and Cox. Mm-hmm. Really? You're on fire when that's happening, aren't you? I remember, I remember seeing them live when I was probably fuck, man, 10, 15 years ago. I came up from London and it was one of the first gigs I was allowed to go to on my own, you know, like without my parents, got yeah. to train up went to watch him and they had this interlude during one of the songs and he just went, you know, when the first record came out and he goes, you know, I didn't change but y'all started acting a lot differently and I remember him saying that and I remember going, oh, that's an interesting way to put it, like everyone else around him because he was affected by fame, he's like, yeah. he didn't change and I got home and recounted the story to someone and they were like, yeah, but he was shagging two of the cast members from Friends. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> I was like, so, I mean, that's a step re- up. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that's, that's really <laughs> him changing yeah. quite, yeah. I mean, really, I don't Unless know. Unless he'd it, always done that. Yeah. Since yeah. he was eight. <laughs> he's, also, he's also the only white man to ever pull off dreadlocks, ever. Yeah. yeah. Ever, no white man has ever nailed dreadlocks. Yeah. Oh, from Jesus Jones. Pulled him off. Yeah. yeah. But apart from that, yeah. you're right. Some of the EMF boys did as well. I had a yeah. really... Oh, yeah, yeah. So that kind of done lots for a while. Yeah. I had a good uh, um, Twitter conversation a couple about two years ago on Twitter. I was listening to This Desert Life. and it, I, It's basically, This Desert Life is in the CD player in my mum's car. And my mum can't work a CD player. So whenever I go home and drive my mum's places, that's the album that's on. So it's like a... reminds me of going home yeah. a lot. Right. And uh, there's a song on there called I Wish I Was a Girl. And halfway through the song, there's this odd snare drum sound that's like, it, it kind of sounds like a microphone uh, recording of a speaker playing back the playback of the, of the right. snare drum. I and I was like, I can't figure out what, and I've been listening to it for years, and every yeah. time it comes in at like 1 minute 50. And then I, so I went on Twitter and was like, found the producer and the engineer of the album, just added both of them. And I was like, lads, what's this noise? And it started this three week long thread between the producer and the engineer trying to remember what it was that they'd done 
And it turns out that that song, I Wish I Was a Girl from This Desert Life, was recorded in two sessions where the band decided they hated the middle eight. Ah, oh, shot between two different drums. So they sounds. went back into the studio and into a different room. Yeah, yeah. And then they were doing a playback and there was like the, the snare drum was coming through the singer's headphones and they were like, oh, that sounds really cool coming back into the room. Yeah. So they just let them put the their headphones around the mic but it took like a couple of weeks for them to figure it out and that's like to me is like one of the cool rare cool things about Twitter yeah, yeah. so you could just message two total strangers yeah. who made an album 15 years ago yeah and, and trigger then, that yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. that and bullying it's great for bullying <laughs> <laughs> alright let's have a long December by, um, by the Counting Crows December yeah. by Captain Crows. Chosen by today's guest, yeah. Jason Perry. Yeah. I love his voice. <laughs> yeah, when she's nervous. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Are they still going? Yeah, man. Yeah. I think they've had a few lineup changes. Yeah. I don't. I think that the core band was like there was like seven of them. Yeah. That's a lot of crows. Yeah. Yeah. Too many crows in one nest. Counting murder of crows. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, That's a good point. And they, uh, <laughs> I think a couple of the guys were like, yeah, we've made. I mean, they made so much money. Yeah. I have a huge. Yeah. Like to be a band in the mid '90s mm. selling oh. CDs at fifteen dollars. Proper a pop, CDs. Yeah. yeah. At that point, where publishing was all yours. Yeah. They must have cleaned up. So I think, and then they had that massive song on Shrek Two. Um, accidentally in love. Oh yeah, oh, right. was it them? It's really interesting because I saw a, an interview with the singer, and he said that they had to write the song because the edit was sent to them. Mm-hmm. And but they were like, "We need a song for the first two and a half minutes of the film. You can do what you want, but it has to be." They had to edit. It was already pre-edited, so they had to write to an already finished edit. Really? So certain moments they had to they were like okay the chorus has to be here so it's like, like they're writing a score yeah. yeah yeah it's really like really interesting I never knew that I'll go listen to it yeah yeah so we've got about five minutes left and uh, looking at your, the track you've chosen uh, that's going to take up three minutes twenty of that alright oh, top very so, quickly uh, so for the last song before it all goes belly up what are you going to choose Jace? a uh, little pick Okay. Um, I always call this a rain song. I don't know what it's called. It's got two different titles. There's yeah. one with X, 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 who's a, another one who's not around anymore. And then the other one with the other guy. And hopefully this is the version with the other guy because I think it's got it a better version. It is. It's the one you sent me over. Yeah. Nice. Um, it's an amazing song. Very melancholy. Could be a Blink-182 song. Could be a Deftone song. It's got the same drums as Mystic Rhythms by Rush. <laughs> <laughs> and the same drum sound. Had to squeeze and one more <laughs> Rush reference in there. <laughs> and I'm um, sorry to all the Pete fans out there. Um, yeah, I mean, it's great. It's a new emo. It's a new punk. It's whatever. These, it's the first time my kids have got into down music and it's meant yeah. something to them. So, so I'm sorry to point this out, but I, the, the message I have says that this is Hurt by Johnny Cash. It was. I mean, and it's not, is it? No. It was. I <laughs> Because I realised I talked about that on Stu's yeah, podcast, so I yeah, changed it. You, you tweaked it, yeah. yeah. Um, That's a good song, though. <laughs> yeah. That is a great song. You can have that one. Um, so, before we finish, Jace, um, A, back out on tour? You're doing a little tour next week just for um, Independent Venue Week to support independent venues. Yeah, great. Which is um, lots of small places. One of them's got no dressing room, and we're doing a matinee show as well, so we're doing Where two weeks in um, Bournemouth. But I think we played in Leeds. 
Scunthorpe, Milton Keynes, Bournemouth. You did the Crawford Arms. Don't know what it's called. Okay. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's really small. No PA. It's going to be great. And is it going to be great? How, yeah, how do we find tickets for this? I think. I think just directly. I think there's still tickets left. Yeah. As well for for a lot of them, the Bournemouth ones. They added another one before the matinee. Yeah. It's going to be interesting after the matinee because there's no dressing room. So I should stay on. <laughs> acommunication.co.uk is that yeah. the website. It's going to be fun. Are you going to Germany? Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay. Some German dates kind of as well. Key Club Leeds, Lincoln Imp, Scunthorpe, Sugar Mill, Stoke-on-Trent, Crawford Arms, Milton Keynes, which has the best dressing room you'll ever go in. There's a snake in it. Yes. The Anvil, Bournemouth, twice. Boiler Room, Guildford's. Kunst, Knust, Hamburg. Oh, wait, is that the same tour? That must be another tour. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I'm not going from Guildford to Hamburg <laughs> in one night. Um, all right. Joe, thank you so much for, oh, for coming down Sorry today. for talking too much again. Mate, I hate myself. Pleasure. Pleasure to have you chatting, mate. And let's uh, thank you, Josh. Hey, thank thanks. You, Josh. It's nice to have the end of the world with you two. It is. Yeah. We've, we've died together. We've survived a lot. We've survived yeah, some apocalypse. You always get we away have. with you, don't you? Yeah, 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 yeah. I don't know how. Um, Sunlight on Your Skin by Lil Peep. There you go. Hope you enjoyed that. It was a lot of fun to do. Um, remember, if you want to hear the unedited version with all the the songs, then just head over to boogalooradio.com uh, and you can listen on there. And you can listen to shows from the likes of, blimey, who's got shows on that radio station? Let me have a think. David Soul from Starsky and Hutch, Bernard Butler from Swade, um, Alan McGee, Andy Ross of Food Records, Dave Robinson of Stiff Records, um, Billy Lunn from The Subways, Rowena Alice. Oh, there's loads. Just go over and have a look. There's a massive catalogue of amazing radio shows, and it's all done for love. And uh, so, yeah, it needs supporting. So please use this episode as an opportunity to go and investigate more. And if you did enjoy my chat with Jason, also be aware that maybe six or seven episodes prior to this, we done an off-the-beaten-track episode with Jason, and it was a lot of fun. It's a two-parter, and we have a big old chat. Um, thanks for listening. And remember, if you want to hear more stuff, I do a weekly radio show um, on Patreon, so you can go and listen to, I upload a show each week on Patreon where I have guests and sometimes I don't and we play records and we chat, um, so go and, have, go and support that, um, also selling lots of merchandise at the moment, t-shirts, some amazing art prints, go and have a look, um, the whole thing, Patreon, the podcast, the merch, any news about live shows, it's all over on www.offthebeatandtrackpodcast.com. Thanks again. See you later. It's Off The Beat and Track Podcast on the Distraction Pieces Network. With me, Stu Whipping. Hold up. 
What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.